Hello and welcome to the Appetence Podcast. Thank you so much for popping in. This is my little monthly moment to expose the real and raw truth about birth through chatting with epic women about their birth experience, showing just how different it can be. This month, I'm going to be talking to Ash, and I'm super excited to get into this conversation. However, I just wanted to give you a quick rundown of what's up with Appetence this month. And the truth is, not a lot. It is November and we are breaching on the end of the year and we have no more birth workshops, no more body balance workshops, nothing else is popping up. We are continuing with our pregnancy and postnatal yoga, which is a must. I'm super excited for that and that'll be going till I think it's the start of December. I will be scheduling in all our workshop times for next year, and I'll probably do the whole year for our birth and body balancing workshops, so keep an eye out for when they release. But other than that, we are just cruising, which is wonderful because that always means that my creative juices get flowing when I'm chilling, so... Maybe keep an eye out on this space, maybe not. I don't want to put too much pressure on it, but um, yeah, hopefully hopefully, some fun things will conjure themselves into my psyche. Anyways, let's get into the episode. We are talking with Ash today, which I am super excited about. I really enjoyed recording this episode and I feel like we really cracked down some barriers. Ash described herself as a very driven and firm woman when she had her first two babies, which was in a hospital setting. And this really led her onto a more feminine path when she became a doula after her second baby, indulging in the life of becoming a birth keeper and a sacred cycle keeper, which now consumes every cell of her body. Ash then just three months ago embarked on her third birth, which was a home birth and a free birth. And she tells the most amazing journey that she went through both physically and mentally throughout that pregnancy and birth experience. We discuss birth as a rite of passage, how to soften and surrender to birth, different archetypes that may pop up in the birthing woman, and how to build connections with your older children bit of a trigger warning here, we do also talk about postnatal depression. If you enjoy this episode, I would love to see in the form of a five-star written review. Enjoy the episode. Thank you so much for joining us on the Abertons Podcast, Ash. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. So we are sitting here with Junie, who is three months old. So if we hear a little bit of background noise and grumbles, it is just from her. She likes to talk. (laughs) Feeling very chatty. So, Ash, do you want to start telling us your story from baby number one? What are we? We've got three babies now. Three babies. Yeah. Um. So Josie is my oldest. Yeah. Um. And she turns six this month, actually. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And I knew nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I knew nothing. Um. I kind of just did what everyone else did like I did what I knew to be done in pregnancy and birth um it happened in a hospital for all of my family well that that are alive with me today so yeah you know that is that's the history my nana 
birthed her babies in the hospital. My mum, my aunties. Yeah. Um, I've got second cousins that are midwives and nurses that birthed in hospitals. So that's yeah. just what I knew. That's how it happened. It's how it's done. Yeah. 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 Um, so it was a lot. I went to all my appointments. I got all my blood tests. I had all my scans. Um, and towards the end of my pregnancy, oh, I'd say about from <coughs> bless you, Jenny. Maybe thirty-two-ish weeks. Yeah. Um, I had all my appointments at Nambour, so Nambour was still open, and that's where yeah. I birthed Josie. And um, my blood pressure was taken. All the time, I was classed as um, obese. Okay. Yes. So I was quite, well, heavy. Okay. Um, and so um, I al- always had high blood pressure, yeah. but not concerning until I reached that probably 32-week yes. mark. And every appointment I had, you know, as the appointments get closer together, yes. um, I had such high blood pressure every time. Wow. Um, I remember a couple of appointments I was kept for monitoring. One day I was at the hospital for like six hours. Oh my gosh. Um, and they wouldn't, they didn't want me to leave until my blood pressure had come down. But I was like, it was my first baby. I was quite anxious. They checked for... Um, other signs of preeclampsia, proteins in my urine, none of that came back with anything. Um, so it was just the hypertension. Um, and they booked me, they booked me in for an uh, induction. And I remember we got to choose the date and we could have chosen, it was a date referenced on Back to the Future. And my husband's a huge movie buff. Um, and, and it was the year Josie was born too, that they say in the movie and Reese is like, actually, no, I'm not going to choose it. I'm not ready. So we ended up (laughs) being induced on the 23rd and I had her on the 24th. Um, and I was induced with, um, the prostaglandin gel. Okay. And this was at 40 weeks? Uh, 40 and three. Great. I was. Um, so we went in and I had the first application of yeah. gel and then we were put into a um, private room on the maternity ward right? just to wait it out. So I think it was six hourly yeah, in between. Yeah, it is usually. So did you, like leading up to this point, you hadn't done antenatal I did, education? Yeah, we did a full day antenatal um, yeah. at, it was the health center on 6th Avenue. Ah, yes. Yeah. So it was through the hospital. Through the hospital. Yeah. Um, so we did the full day and I think we were supposed to do a second day and Reese is like, I'm not going back. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way I'm going back to do another day. Yes. So we didn't. Okay. Um, and just went from there. I tried to speak to my mum about her experiences and things like that didn't really get a lot. Just you doing what you meant to be doing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was pretty much it. I didn't learn a lot at that point. The general consensus was pick your pram, all the cute little rompers, set your nursery up. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Totally. Yeah. Cool. Definitely focused on, yeah. Yeah. Not what I probably should have been focusing <laughs> on. I was in a bit of denial. Um, finding out what we were having, I was so scared to be a girl mum. Ah. And when I found out I was having a girl, I was, I shit my pants a bit. Interesting. Where did that come from? Um, I'd always had an, a lot of guy friends growing up. I just found it easier. Yeah. There wasn't any crap. There wasn't yeah, any bitchy. Bitchy. Yeah. yeah. I was so scared to be a girl mum based on my experiences. Yeah. Um, with teenage girls. With teenage girls. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was very disassociated, I think, from myself in general as as a girl, as a woman as well. Right. Um, you know, I hated my period. I hated, um, yeah, I hated all of that. It was like, stop wow. everything. <laughs> you were saying before you were in quite like a masculine. I was in a very masculine space. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. Very hard. I would find, I would have described myself as hard. Right. Yeah. You know, what's so funny is that knowing you now and for the last, like, what, year or two, yeah. it, it's just so impossible to see you like that, to think of you in that phase, hating your period. Just you saying that then, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I never would have thought, isn't it crazy how much you can transition? I came off the pill a couple of – so when Reese and I decided to have babies, I'd come off the pill probably 12 months prior to that. Mm-hmm. Um Solely for the purpose of having babies. Mm. It wasn't for anything else. I'd been on the pill since I was 14, Mm. maybe a bit earlier than that to, because of, you know, I felt like I was crippled with period pain Mm -hmm. and, you know, you wanted to pick and choose when you had it based on summer. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So Isn't that crazy, hey? And did you have any trouble conceiving coming off the pill for such a long time? I'd been off it for a while um, uh, prior to, you know, the, the actual trying process. Mm. Um, we thought we were having trouble um, just for the length of time. But also looking back now, it was, you know, that process of coming off the pill and how long it takes for your cycle to regulate and that sort of thing. So I would say, no, we didn't have trouble. Yeah. Fair call. Yeah. Totally fair call. Okay, cool. So then you went into hospital and you got that first dose of prostaglandin. Yes. How did that go? Um, it was interesting. It was, it was uncomfortable. Mm. Um, apart from pap smears, like you generally don't have anything going on up there. I didn't have a stretch and sweep. Mm-hmm. Um, I it was just definitely induction. Um, and it's, it feels a little bit blurry now, but I remember they were explaining everything to me. Um, I had no idea that what, what consent was mm. back then and that I actually, so I was being told mm-hmm. what was happening, but never asked. So I just remember this is just what happens. Yes. You, this is, this is normal. This is just what happens. They go, you know? Yeah. Um, and so after the first slot, uh, we waited the six nothing had happened. Mm. Um, Reese was enjoying the TV. Um, and I was just trying to get some rest. And then we were taken in around midnight. I think, it, I think it was. Maybe a bit earlier. Maybe it was about 10.30. 
for the second lot. Mm-hmm. Um, did that. And pretty soon after, I felt like I was, like things were happening. Yeah. And instantly I reacted, like instantly uh, my whole body seized and tensed up like, okay, things are happening. Mm. And again, you have never experienced this before. So like, I think my body just went into, um, Oh fuck mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like wanted to shut down. Yeah. What <laughs> um, am I actually doing? It's like, holy fuck, holy fuck. There's actually going to be a baby. Literally. literally. <laughs> Pretty much. Isn't it funny? Yeah. So we did that. Um, I told the nurses that things were happening. Um, and they were like, okay, well, we'll let birth suite know. Cause I was being taken to birth suite for the application and then coming back to ah. the ward for the in-between. Okay. Um, and so they had to go and let the midwife that was assigned to me know that things were happening. So that took a little bit. And by then I had gotten into the shower mm-hmm. in, in the, um, in the maternity ward. Um, and hung out in there for a little bit. It took a while for someone to come back. And that's when it was about midnight that we went in and I had internals done. So they did do an internal before administering the second lot. Mm. And I was a centimeter dilated. Um, and then when they did the internal again, when I came back to birth suite um, after the second lot of gel, I was still a centimetre, but they told me that that was enough to break my waters. Yeah. Okay. And so maybe things would pick up Mm. if they had, if they would break my waters. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was very nervous and I remember seeing the, that crochet looking hook. Yeah. And again, no asking just the doing. Yeah. Um, so they broke my waters and felt like I, I don't want it to sound traumatic, but I felt like I was dying at that point. Right. Like I was in a lot of pain. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was intense and it was back to back to back. And I remember not gelling very well with the midwives that I had. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so then trying to not make it look like a big deal, but also being really, yeah. The pain was intense. Um, and Is that from the breaking of the waters from that point? It was from that point. Yeah. 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 And so at Nambour, you didn't have, you had two rooms and you had showers mm-hmm. that joined the room. So there were sliding doors from either yes. room. So if someone was in there, you couldn't use it. I remember that well. Yes. Um, and they had one pool. Yeah. It was, yeah. So because I was induced, I was told I wasn't allowed to use the pool. Uh-huh. So I could only u- utilize the showers, which I loved. I was on the football mm-hmm. in the shower. Reese mm. was in there with me and I'd actually had my mum come up too. Um, and I really enjoyed that water. The, the, I had my eyes closed really tight the whole time. The contractions were on top of each other. Hectic. Um, and then I was being pulled out intermittently to be monitored. Mm-hmm. Um, so they didn't have the CTG on. So not to start, not to start, but it did go on pretty quickly. And that's why they were pulling me out intermittently because um, it was dropping out. 
because I was in the shower. Yeah. Um, and they wanted me to be on the bed. So they would keep me on the bed for a little bit to get a good enough reading and then they'd let me get back into the shower. Right. And there was one point that they pulled me out and didn't uh, want me to get back into the shower. Um, it is very blurry. I know it was about Josie's heart rate. So mm-hmm. they then um, did the screw. Yeah. Um, and I did get the option to consent to that. And they told me I could get back into the shower yeah. with the screw. Yeah. Did and they explain it to you as a screw? No, it was a clip. No. Yes. It was a clip. So. Um, so then that happened. The monitors, monitors could come off. From that point forward, I wasn't allowed off the bed. And I do say I wasn't allowed off the bed um, because they, they didn't let me. I wasn't allowed to walk around. Um, wow. Her heart rate. Oh. But in saying that, I didn't feel like there was a rush for anything else. Knowing what I know now, um, I'd never heard anyone talk about a C-section or anything like mm. that. They just wanted me on the bed so that they could monitor her properly. So whether the screw was in properly mm. or not, I, I'm not too sure. But from that point forward, I wasn't allowed back in the shower. Mm. Um, and it was too intense. So I had asked for an epidural um, and I'd said to mm-hmm. Reese, I'll probably ask for an epidural. So if I ask once, don't let me have it. Mm-hmm. If I ask twice, don't let me have it. If I ask a third time, I really want it. Yeah. Um, and my mum said to me, you don't need an epidural. And instantly I reverted back to a teenager and went, I yeah. want an epidural. I want an epidural. I want an epidural. Yeah. That's my three times. <laughs> um, Just to stick it to mum. <laughs> yeah. So they, I did get the epidural. Um, it didn't take. So when they were testing... Um, with the little ice pack, yeah, it went to my knees, oh. um, and I could, I just remember feeling everything. Oh gosh! Um, and then they tried to turn it up, and yeah, it just wasn't taking. My husband had to leave at one point because our dog had come and got out of ah. our yard, ah. and so he left and came back. Ended up being about twelve hours. Um, okay. And right at and the, the end, epidural wasn't working the whole time. No, but you couldn't get out of bed no. because you had somewhat of numbing. Yeah, and then there was a shift change, and right at the end, there was like an angel. Her name was Joy. I will never forget her name. She wasn't on like she wasn't a full time midwife anymore. She came back and volunteered, and she was the most beautiful nurturing she was older and she was just amazing and she made the end of that experience yeah. so beautiful with the breastfeeding awesome. you know um having Josie my cut the cord was cut very quickly and she was straight up on my chest um there didn't seem to be any complication she was never taken off me we were never awesome. separated and joy really supported that initial awesome. breastfeed so you know, that was beautiful, but it was like a hurricane mm-hmm. before that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you eventually get to 10 centimeters and felt the need to push? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I told them that that was happening. Yeah. Um, 
I remember passing. I was, I passed out quite a few times. Um, but I think it was just the length of labor. I just think there was exhaustion and moments where my body just needed a quick energy boost. And then to come back, I did tear. Um, so I had a little tear up, um, which separated, um, so the hood from my clitoris. So they didn't want to fix that. Um, they said yeah. I'd probably have some more issues if we did stitch okay. with nerve endings yes. than if we didn't. Um, yeah. She was little. She was yeah. little six pound 13. Cute. I feel like she literally just <laughs> slid out. Yeah. <laughs> Is how it felt. Yeah. That's how it felt. Awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And you breastfed Josie. I did um, until she was... Four months we started to do the shift and um, I was getting her, I was going to the child health clinic every week and then every two weeks and, um, you know, I was being told she wasn't gaining enough and then she had a good gain and then she wasn't gaining enough. She had um, quite severe um, colic, which I have such a, better understanding now but I remember I cut dairy out completely um you know I was told she has a cow's milk protein intolerance cut that out of my system I had family telling me that my milk was hurting my baby and I should just put her on formula she wasn't sleep you know she didn't sleep from for 12 hours a night so I should put her on formula she'll sleep longer and this was coming from family And it was really hard at that point to, you know, they know what they know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought what they knew was best because I hadn't experienced this before. Mm -hmm. So I I did. I listened to everyone but myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so by six months, she was fully formula fed. I tried all the things for sleep. And, yeah, it was – it threw me into a pretty heavy – postpartum mm-hmm. yeah yeah that I totally suppressed and I was totally fine to everyone <laughs> yes yeah isn't it crazy yeah did you just feel like a deep disconnection hugely deep disconnection you know I felt the most connected in my pregnancy in my pregnancy I felt like a goddess mm-hmm. I loved my body I loved my curves I loved mm-hmm. how like plump Mm-hmm. I was, I loved it. And then nothing turned off. Interesting. All of it. Yeah. Completely disassociated um, from myself, my body and my baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. pretty, it was pretty dark and deep, but that's not something I didn't realize that until into my postpartum with Edie. Interesting. You know, you suppress and you mask. You do. And you fool yourself. You do. You don't let yourself acknowledge that you are feeling a bit depressed or whatever. Yeah. uh, Or that you are disconnected with your baby. That's a hard, hard... um, You just think you can do it. Yeah. Um, Because all the mums that have done it before you. Mm -hmm. And everyone has hard. And your hard's no worse than another person's hard. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the generations before us. Mm. They had it hard too and they just did it. And that equates to you don't, you can't acknowledge what you're feeling yeah. and what you're feeling isn't worth yeah. talking about. Yeah. 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 
Isn't it crazy? So crazy. So crazy. Mm. And with Edie, I things started to shift mm-hmm. um, in how I was feeling. So, again, through my pregnancy, her and Josie's pregnancy were almost identical. I felt incredible. I did have morning sickness, but it wasn't something – it was like I would have a little bit of a vomit in the morning. Yeah. But I was good to go for the day. Awesome. Um, how old was Josie when you fell pregnant with Edie? So – they are 26 months apart. Mm-hmm. So one and a, one and a yeah. bit. Cool. Um, yeah, and I felt, I felt great. And I was working again. Mm-hmm. Um, How long did you have off work? Six months with Josie. Great. Went straight back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was hard. Um, my partner and I didn't have then the relationship we have now. Mm-hmm. We didn't realize, you know, communication's huge. Mm-hmm. So there was no communicating, you know, the mum just does. And the husband goes to work. So mum works and mothers. Husband goes to work, comes home. Mum, you know, still does the cooking and the cleaning. And that's what was seen Um, and I had a single mother who did all those things too. So that's just what I knew to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it definitely took a toll on our relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, and even through, you know, all of our children were consciously concerned. We knew we were trying for babies and that was something that we both, um, had spoken about and made the choice to do, but yeah. really didn't acknowledge the strain on the relationship when kids come in, if when haven't done the work. Yes. Um, how do you guys navigate that? I got louder. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I think the yelling and the <laughs> screaming at each other, um, um, wasn't productive, so I got a bit louder with how I was communicating and saying things. Um, I started to drop into feeling more instead of just saying, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, I'm mm. doing this. It was a little bit more, I found it that I could articulate a bit better and that rec- was received a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I started associating it with feeling... Mm-hmm. Maybe our bodies were listening, even if we, Mm. you know, still were butting heads. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a ride. It was a journey. And a lot of of it was led by me. It takes time, these things, doesn't it? Yeah. And we've been together 11, almost 11 years. Wow. It's a lot of rewriting. Huge. Because they get used to it. Like, that's been how it's been for you know, eight years already. Yeah. And then you all of a sudden one day turning around and saying, otherwise they're kind of like, what do you mean? Yeah. 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 What is this? Yeah. You've changed. Who yeah. are you? <laughs> um, so, and so, yeah, when we conceived Edie, yeah, I felt incredible, still working. Um, and just plotted along again. Although I knew this time, some of how I didn't want to feel. I didn't want to be induced this time. I wanted to make 
choices this time. I didn't want an epidural this time because I knew that that prolonged my labor. I knew that um, I could support my body and what I deemed as the pain with movement more than if I was stagnant. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're the aspects that changed a little bit through my pregnancy with Edie. And is that because you'd done research after Josie and kind of... I had started looking into it. My sister-in-law at the time um, had had her second baby too. And so walking with her in that space... Um, and being going to some appointments with her and being on the other side mm-hmm. and observing mm-hmm. um things just started to click and i can't pinpoint what it was but yeah. things just pennies started to drop totally. i started to realize that we were being spoken to it wasn't a conversation being ha- it wasn't a conversation it was a being spoken to yes um and Which i was observing difference. that yeah yeah I was like, oh, that doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember going to her, one of her appointments where she was being offered a stretch and sweep and she didn't want that. But they had her think about it for a while before they sent her home. And her and I were talking through it and she didn't want that. So we did. We walked out. She was, I think, 40 weeks pregnant. And mm-hmm. that's why they were talking more and kind of insisting and we just walked out um i was like yes because we can do that yeah we're allowed to <laughs> we're say allowed no. to do that even if it's not us if it's told we're allowed to decline yeah 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 um and so that was the difference uh i was i did my gtt again it wasn't a question whether i did or didn't do that i thought that just had to be done yes um so I did my GTT and that came back with, I was positive for gestational diabetes and then that process happened. Mm-hmm. I went to a group uh, workshop type thing where we were handed our, um, you know, the monitors to monitor our blood sugar levels, all mm-hmm. the strips, the all our needles, mm-hmm. instruction manual, a bit of a workbook. Yeah. Um, and then the next appointment from that was with the dietitian. Um, where they started, you know, to talk about what we should be, what our plate should look like, what we should have in each, you know, section of our plate. Um, and I really cleaned, well, I thought that I cleaned things up. I feel like it was beneficial where it made me pay attention to the types of food I was eating. And it really kickstarted me in eating a bit cleaner, getting more vegetables into myself and really understanding the portions of carbs, proteins, Mm. you know, fruits and vegetables and things like that. Um, But it was only one appointment and then not a lot more information, just monitoring my blood sugars. Um, I ended up having to be put on um, insulin for my fasting. So over Mm -hmm. overnight, Mm. so for my fasting levels. Um, And that's why I was induced. So from 30, was it 36 weeks? I said 
From 36 weeks, I had quite regular scans for size of baby because with gestational diabetes comes all the conversations and the fear around big baby, shoulder dystocia, you know, all of those sorts of things. So I had quite regular scans and I was to be induced at 38 weeks. This was a new thing that presented itself in this pregnancy. So again, I didn't question it. Mm Mm-hmm. I just did what I was being told to do because that was best for baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and in those moments I was going in with as long as I've got a healthy baby, as long as I've got a healthy baby, mm-hmm. um, we can have a baby, a healthy baby and mother, mm. but that's not where the focus was. Yeah. So I was induced with the Cook's catheter this time okay. or, or the balloon catheter. Yeah. How did you find that difference? Um, I, Enjoyed the fact that it wasn't a synthetic. Yes. Hormone. Hormone. Um, Yeah. So, and I wasn't, when they were explaining what it was to me, and I didn't know I was being induced that way until when I went in. I was in MGP as well. Right. Um, I saw the same person for all my antenatal appointments. Uh, When I presented for my induction... Um, which I stayed overnight for, um, I had a whole new midwife. So my midwife from MGP, the lead midwife, went on quite a significant holiday. And I had a new midwife that just started at the hospital that day. She had transferred from Brisbane and she started that day. So I didn't have a known midwife. She was beautiful, very chatty. Wonderful. Very, felt comfortable with her great quite quickly great um just how's the luck like i almost feel for that midwife where your first day at that hospital and you're put into a birth like you don't know where anything is or who anyone is no that's quite difficult no and then so um the next morning the catheter was taken out i was one centimeter dilated okay dilated enough to break my waters mm-hmm. um that is what happened Mm-hmm. Um, again, I didn't question it. Mm. Um, and then other things were happening and I was left to go see if breaking my waters would bring on contractions because awesome. I was having no contractions. Exactly. Um, they were busy with other stuff. Yeah. So yeah. I was left alone for an hour. Yeah. It ended up being two hours, which was, I'm glad I got a bit longer, but, um, contractions did not happen. So the, um, uh, Pitocin drip started. Um, I don't have great veins, so it was in and out and in and out and it wasn't fantastic. The the catheter wasn't very good. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Um, so my contractions did get started. It did have to be turned up after the first. So I was left for an hour or so, and then it was turned up again. And then contractions were coming this time. I didn't want to be paid attention to, mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't want to be monitored. Yes. I didn't want anyone. So I thought if I'm quiet and I just hide, yes, people will leave They'll me forget. alone. <laughs> so I did that. Um, I got on the football. I wanted to get in the pool, but because this midwife had started this day, the policies and procedures around using the pool had not been gone through with her. And so she was not allowed okay. to have me in the pool. Um, so I stayed in the shower. I shut, like closed the door over, 
and just you or was hubby in there um so this time i had his mum yeah um thought that would ease him into it after josie's birth. <laughs> i yeah. was like he needs some comfort this time yeah um she was incredible i always Great. get such a calming supported feel with her Great. and i was just quite happy for her and him to just sit and i just hid in the shower for Great. hours good on you um and at this time can't remember if I was cutting around the I would have been cutting around the drip drip yeah um and I just sat on the football and I in the dark shower and it was quite nice until there was a moment of rush and panic um so I'd been left alone for a really really long time and I was enjoying the flow that I was going through I was using the gas here and there I didn't like how it made me feel mm-hmm. um and then people kind of came rushing in and I remember the new midwife said to me, we're going to start prepping for a C-section. So I'd had no contact prior to this. I was left alone what? for a while. So her heart rate, Edie's heart rate had dropped or they couldn't pick it up. And is this still at Nambour? No, this time it was at school. Interesting. And so they got me out of the shower and helped me walk to the bed. I stopped a little bit in between because I was having contractions. And I got on the bed and I remember the anaesthetist was coming to put the catheter back in. Yeah. Um, because they wanted to prep me. And, and how did you feel? Were you kind of like, I was I, just enjoying labor and yeah, I was doing well was breathing freaked out. <laughs> Yeah. So I got on the bed and my mother-in-law and my husband was were helping me because the, the midwife she was little and I was right. a heavy pregnant woman. Yeah. Um so they helped me get on the bed and I remember looking at the anaesthetist saying I'm going to push. Oh. And she laughed at me. And I ended up at that point looking her in the eye. I threw my leg over because I was on my side trying to get on the bed. My poor mother-in-law just caught my leg and held it and Edie came. Oh my God. <laughs> so you squirt a bit of annual fluid, take that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then she was born and beautiful. So for a... Well done. Yeah, That's it was. Amazing. It was You just really... did it by yourself in the shower. Yeah. And they were freaking out because of the heart rate when really it was just And it was an all of a sudden run normal. in. And because yeah. I've been left alone for so long, I'm wondering if that's where the rush was, is that I, I don't think anyone checked in on me for a yeah. long That was a four-hour labor. So yeah. from the drip starting to her wow. being born, um, seven pounds on the dot, um, not big at all. That sounds like quite a beautiful birth. It, it, it was. It really was such a in my eyes a chalk and cheese experience to to Josie and then when Edie was born I had one of my MGP midwives so what I think the second I'd seen her a couple of times she wasn't the lead but she came in and took care of me um yeah after and yeah she fed beautifully um wonderful it was yeah it was beautiful I stayed just the one night. Oh, no, two nights. Two nights I stayed. Um, her blood sugars were good from birth. 
And then overnight, they did give her some of my colostrum. So that's something I was told to do with GD was to express colostrum. So I think they went a little bit low um, overnight. So I had her at four o'clock in the afternoon and into that night when they did her vitals, um, they said her blood sugar was a little bit low. So they gave us some, so that we did stay two nights. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then went home. I breastfed. It was such a different experience breastfeeding. Mm. Um, but I was holding on to a lot still from Josie and I was still very deeply that postpartum following through from Josie was intense. Um, and I remember just wanting my body back. I needed me. Mm -hmm. Um, I had started to, train and exercise I'd started to move my body which is something I didn't do except for when I was at school mm. um, after eating after eating yeah. yeah I really started to find ways to feel good awesome and one of those ways was training it was a little stop start and yeah. um but once I got into it my mind was shifting and I was okay to say that I was not okay And I was surrounded by women at the gym I was going to who had all been through this and were all, you know, we were all there for the same reason. Yeah. Um, And I had realized how deep in it, the postpartum depression I was. Mm -hmm. Um, And I felt okay to speak about it. Um, Kind of. I kind of felt okay to speak about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing that, that, made me realize I needed to find some support was my feelings. I realized I, you know, there was a moment of, I didn't feel anything for anyone. I didn't feel it for myself. And I knew I loved my children Mm. and I knew I loved, or I was supposed to feel love for Mm -hmm. my children and my husband, but there was no feeling there. It was actually blank. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, moving and I did book in to see a psychologist. Yeah. I got a health plan from my doctor. Yeah. Because that was scary for me to not feeling anything. I wasn't feeling anger. I wasn't feeling happy. Like there was nothing. I was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I went to three sessions and I found myself feeling worse. After seeing a psychologist, mm. um, I found myself, yeah. That's a scary I didn't moment. didn't feel good. And you're like, what do I do? But then I realized I was feeling something. Mm. So I was not feeling good, but I was feeling something. And I hadn't felt something for quite a long time. Interesting. Um, and so I stopped that and I just kept going to training. And, it, and I found myself supporting other women. Yeah. And that felt really good. And I really enjoyed that I could be there for them, which actually helped me be there for me. Yeah. Um, and in the midst of all that, I met Caitlin, who I support women besides. So yeah. um, th- we birthed birth mamas together. Yes. Um, and... So coincidentally, she was doing the doula training, the in-person doula training in the December. Yeah. So we met at gym. We yeah. started the gym at the same time. What gym is this? Uh, Bodies by Design 
in yeah, Kauai. Yeah, isn't that BBD? Yes. 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 So we started pretty much the same time, maybe a week or two apart. And she was doing, we just clicked. Mm-hmm. Um, I sold her some essential oils. Cool. <laughs> um, and yeah, she was doing the December in-person training and I was starting the January online training awesome. and we were doing the same training. Oh my gosh. Isn't that so weird? It was really, yeah. And where was, was really she weird. in her stage? She had baby number one. Baby number one. Yeah. 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 And then, um, she allowed me to support her. With baby number two. Amazing. Which was beautiful. Joa. Yeah. And so pretty much Joa's birth, definitely the rebirth was body, it was birth mamas. Yes. That was the rebirth. Amazing. Um, It was, yeah, incredible. Incredible. And it's so hard to put words, put it into words. Yeah. It's all just feeling. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, did you want to yeah. um, explain what birth mamas is? So uh, as doulas yeah. um, and birth keepers, Caitlin and I were doing that individually. But the way we we work and we hold really seem to complement each other. Caitlin is this big warm hug and this nurturer and she's just soft. Whereas I find myself in a space of... Um, having been a bit more confronting with um, having some conversations that Mm -hmm. maybe and and checking in with some feelings. And I think calling yourself on your bullshit. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, it can be really confronting to start feeling all the things that might come up with working on yourself Um, and figure, you know, realizing where things stem from our belief systems, our values, our boundaries, whether we have them or not. Um, it can be really confronting. Mm. And so the way we work together is, you know, I'm going to help you get really raw and honest with yourself. And Caitlin's going to hold mm-hmm. that that crumbling and we do that together. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Perfect yeah. little duo. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. How did you feel like, so that recovery through your postpartum period training was really, really helpful. So um, helpful. Birthing birth mamas was probably quite helpful. So it was really helpful. I think the biggest, uh, the biggest thing was the work that was emphasized for us through our doula training. So, yeah. um, with the way that our mindset changed through training, I think that helped to support the coming undone through our doula training. So the training we did specifically focused on you. Mm. It focused on uh, unpacking you Mm. and shaking that rug and cleaning out all of the shit. Like it held a mirror to all of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard too. So mm-hmm. again, the belief systems, um, you know, there were a lot of things in my life that I thought were hereditary. Yeah. That was a huge limiting belief. Yeah. Um, it runs in the family is a big one. 
yeah, I can't do anything about it. I can't do anything about it. it. That's, I'm born with it. Yeah. Weight, um, mental state, Mm -hmm. uh, all of that. And also this training introduced me properly to myself as a woman Mm. and rites of passage. And we were taught and by some of the most beautiful Jane Hardwick Collins did masterclasses in our training um, to understand your menstruation. Yes. All of a sudden when I started to honor my bleed and I didn't have pain associated with my bleed. um, When I started to not saying uh, maybe I reframed what, what pain was. Mm. And more, there were moments of uncomfortability mm-hmm. when I was bleeding. And you can simply notice. doesn't mean that it's painful just mm. because you can feel something happening yeah. inside. Yeah. Yeah. And understanding, you know, each phase in that cycle mm. and, you know, the shedding, the releasing, the, you know, yeah. Just the Amazing. way that that came through. And had me really connecting with my feminine. Yes. And reclaiming that. I I did a really woo-woo ritual and reclaimed my bleed. Yes. And it was like I was having my first bleed again. Like What was the ritual? Um I when I so I had stopped using tampons yeah. and had started using a cup. That was probably one thing that was yeah. probably the first change I made when I started to notice and pay attention to and honor Mm -hmm. my cycle was switching from tampons or pads and I used a cup Mm -hmm. and um so I would collect my blood Mm -hmm. and the very first time I I used a cup I collected my my blood and um I went downstairs out internet I lived um on the back of some really beautiful like rainforest in Forest Glen awesome and I went and just sat down and I mourned my, my, my very first experience. Yeah. I spot, like I journaled my very first experience and how I felt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I sat with this experience, what I wanted going forward and just honoring birth because Mm -hmm. I also had babies in this. So it wasn't actually my first bleed. Mm -hmm. Um, I honored birth. I honored myself as a woman. I just said nice things to myself. I felt nice things for myself. I also sat and felt what this does and what our cycle does and is for. Um, and then I, I just added a bit of water and I gifted it to my garden. Awesome. There was a specific tree that I poured my Mm -hmm. blood under. And even though I don't do that all the time and I'm not doing that currently having baby number three, um, I still am very mindful of the first day of my bleed and I still very gentle and tender with myself and I say nice things to myself. Yes. And you don't always have to do these big elaborate rituals. This That was just my reclaiming. Yes. But I'm mindful of what this is. Absolutely. And at what point in my cycle I'm in and check in with how I'm feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So would you say that that was another 
kind of big step in recovering postnatally. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, kind of acknowledging and, as you said, honoring that first experience, the first birth. Yeah. Thinking about it, journaling about it. And I also think just when you understand, like, it it was really profound to have the reality of our cycle and that we hold and grow life mm. and birth life into this world. Yes. And when you actually sit with all of that for a second, it's huge. Massive. It's huge. It gives you so much appreciation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so just, yeah, being tender. Mm. I was allowing myself to be tender. I was allowing myself to be gentle and and feminine mm-hmm. um not all the time but yeah. I was yeah I was you know you it ebbed and flowed with the how I was sitting and it still does because I mean we're always learning we're always integrating we're always yeah. you know working on some aspect yeah of yeah and to someone who your initial nature is to be a bit of a hard bitch that can be really hard yeah to be feminine yeah. and to slow down. Absolutely. Really hard. Absolutely. And I would have to say there was a point in my training where I actually started feeling like, like I was feeling good in my mental health. And, and I remember the effect that my training was having on our, my relationship with yeah. Reese as well. Um, I remember that we definitely went through even more transition in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never felt and felt as good as I did and as confident as I did and as feminine as I did. And then there was a moment where it started to shift. And when I, I maybe I was getting some retaliation and I started looking at myself in the mirror thinking, no, now I look masculine. I don't feel masculine, but now I'm feeling like I look masculine. Mm. And I remember taking, feeling like I really needed to slow down mm. with my, with my training. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, I felt, and there was a moment I realized maybe I was overdoing. Right. It. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think is just so like, especially when you start on that getting fit kind of, phase especially when you're doing it not just for your physical but for your mental health it's so easy to get a bit obsessive yeah. and take it a bit far but yeah, yeah. It, yeah. isn't it hard like in that 11, 11 years that you've been with your partner like especially when you go through such huge transitions at a person it's gonna take some massive uh shifts in the relationship it changes mm-hmm. the dynamic completely it can be really hard also to when you're so I mean, your focus is you and your happiness and how you're feeling and, you know, your well-being and you forget all the other parts. You know, if you're with Mm. someone, you do forget to communicate. It can be really hard when you start doing all the things Mm -hmm. to remember to prioritize certain things. It's like, yeah. no, I've really got to do this for me. I mean, I've got this momentum going. I've yes. never done this for me before. So I'm just going to keep going and going and going. And yeah, you've, it's hard to do all the things. And to keep them in the loop with all yeah. your yeah. realizations. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you think that you're like, they're not going to understand this at all. Yeah. Cause it's so far out of their And you've vision. got two kids and then you've got, you're making these new connections with all these these people and it's like yeah. you you do you become everywhere you're yeah. everywhere for a minute and it's 
And that's part of the integration process, I think. You need to be everywhere to realize that you need to come in yes. a bit yes. <laughs> and bring it back I in. I can completely relate to all of this. Yeah, yeah. it's quite funny. Yeah. Quite so funny. things slowed down, though. So um, in that time, um, Caitlin had her second baby, Joa. Yeah. And from there, you know, I really tending to her and her space and then birth mamas just came and training slowed down and a lot of things slowed down and we were birthing a business. Yes. And that took a lot. So it was natural that all these other things that we were doing was going to stop because we were doing such another huge thing. Totally. Um, and then I fell pregnant in the September. Yeah. In the September. So we opened birth mamas in the June. Yeah. Because we had a physical space plus yes. online and our, and our birth keeping services. Yeah. Um, and then I fell pregnant in the September and it was nothing compared to my two previous births. Yeah. Nothing compared to it. Instantly, I I wanted to stop. Yeah. Instantly, I wanted to stop all the doing. Yes. And I just wanted to be. Yes. I wanted to go slow. I wanted to rest. Yeah. I, I'd, there was a moment in my pregnancy where I really w- didn't want to interact anymore. Yeah. And it started coming through quite early in that pregnancy. And I don't think I honored it. As much also, you know, you can't just always stop. So, sometimes it, you don't have that luxury. You've no, got a business, you've got two yeah, kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was sicker for, I was quite sick with Edie, uh, Junie actually. Um, through till about 18 weeks, I just was yucky. I just mm. felt yucky. And this time I knew I was pregnant. I knew when I conceived and mm. I knew, I just knew. Yeah. And I remember the first thing that externally from me that confirmed that was the fact that for two weeks straight, I ate packets and packets of satay tofu. Cold. <laughs> I just, that's all I wanted. Yeah. I was like, I'm definitely pregnant. Yes. Um, and then I did take a test and at, at the shop. <laughs> and so Caitlin was the first person that saw. <laughs> so that was really exciting. Yes. Um, that that was, I was, we, yeah, so excited. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, quite ill and all day. Mm. Um, so I struggled a little bit because as much as I wanted to stop, I wanted to do all the things and still be for everyone. Mm. Um, but my physically, my body was making me just slow down. So Mm. I did a lot more at the shop rather than supporting in the early days of that pregnancy. Um, not a lot helped with the sickness. Eating didn't help with the sickness. Ginger didn't help with the sickness. Mm-hmm. Um, I did happen to get some CBD oil mm-hmm. um, and that seemed to help mm-hmm. for the most part to a point where then it didn't help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was getting around the 16, 17 weeks and I had some travel calm that was recommended mm. or someone had it and said, just give this a go. Mm. Um, and then by about 18 weeks, I was okay. Awesome. Um, but this time I knew things were going to be so different. Yeah. Um, I was birthing at home. That was 100% 
I'd seen it. I'd seen it. I'd I'd dreamt it and I'd visualized it and I knew that I would be birthing at home. I was going to be birthing with a midwife. Mm -hmm. And so quite early on, I started to interview midwives and this is something that we was, we would speak to, um, the women we were supporting about is, you know, not just having people in your space for the sake of having people really having that connection. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and knowing that the people who are going to support you are there to, to solely hold you mm-hmm. and not make it their experience, mm-hmm. but it be totally yours. So I mm-hmm. started to interview midwives and I didn't want to feel rushed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I met with a midwife and absolutely loved her, but I could see that um, certain things weren't aligning in terms of views mm-hmm. um, on, on birth. And I really wanted to emphasize how I felt coming out of this and Mm -hmm. that this was an experience I carried through. Mm -hmm. Um, and this was an experience that would weigh in on how I mothered and nurtured my children having Mm -hmm. realized that effect in the past. Um, so then I met another midwife and absolutely was going ahead. Um, something happened and this midwife moved away. And so she couldn't be my midwife anymore. And I remember Jodie from yes. Flourish was in the shop because we stopped her teas. Yes. And I was talking to her about that. And I told her I'd had thoughts about birthing unassisted. Like, why can't I just do this myself? And I'd asked myself that question and I asked it out loud and I said to Jodie, this is a question that I have for myself. And she said, why can't you? And, but to really actually sit down and dig deep Mm -hmm. into how I'm feeling, who I want in my space, really uncover why I felt like I needed to have a midwife, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, when I had told Reese we would be birthing at home, he was quite, um, apprehensive he just assumed we were going into the hospital yeah and it was almost like I was it was we would compensate like so for him it made him feel safer if we'd had a home birth midwife yeah and so I knew I was birthing at home so to make this happen Mm -hmm. we were having a home birth midwife Mm -hmm. so um then I just yeah I just couldn't gel it just some things weren't yeah they weren't, I wasn't f- feeling it. Yes. <laughs> and it was all about feeling. feeling. And I didn't want the fear as much as there, you know, you, you do work through. There is fear. Yes. Because we live in a specific society there things have been a certain way for a very long time we hear stories we hear experiences and there are things that sit there under Mm -hmm. the surface um so there is fear but it's you know instead of turning away from it you look at it you've got to look at it i think we can't not look at and and look at it as if is it your fear is it someone else's fear is it um something because of an experience you've had or is it an imposed Mm -hmm. experience um and at 15 weeks I had a scan 
and it was a 3D scan and it was an early gender mm. scan. And we found out we were having our third little girl. <laughs> and I walked away from that. And I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to, I almost regretted having the scan for one. Ah. Um, I'd been doing lots of reading, uh, you know, as a, as a doula, we need to be informed and we're mm-hmm. all about informed choice, mm-hmm. evidence-based mm-hmm. choice and things like that. I'd done lots of reading. I think it's Sarah Wickham. Yes. Um, gentle birth, gentle mother. Yes. Um, I know the exact. Yeah. So I've been, about. I've been doing a lot of reading myself. Um, obviously I'm big on what we're asking our mothers and women that we're walking beside to be doing. Mm-hmm. I had to be embodying that mm-hmm. I'm walking this experience mm-hmm. and I need to be doing what I would be. Yes. That was big for me. So I started to do a lot of my own research and sit with myself and how I mm-hmm. felt about everything. And it just didn't feel good to be constantly going for tests and scans and appointments. Mm-hmm. And I feel like every one of those was another way of taking me out of my body. Yes. I feel like it was a because good... It's showing that you don't know and that we need these tests yeah. to know. Yeah. And I also sat with a lot of, if something came up, it wouldn't change. Yeah. The way I felt about certain things. And I always knew that I could change that choice. Yeah. If I felt a concern, if I didn't feel like something was right, I knew I could go and, and change my choice. Yes. Um, and change my mind on, on what I was doing. Um, but because I had decided to step out of the system completely Mm. and it was, I led my own care. Mm -hmm. Um, I really sat and deepened that connection with myself and Junie and because I'd had GD with um, Edie, I went to my GP and I talked to him about my choice. Mm-hmm. And I have a really supportive, incredible GP awesome. who was, he was so supportive. And he said, anything you need me to do, I'll do it. Um, and I said, can you teach me how to use, I've been lent this and it was to check my blood sugar. And I said, can you just show me how to use this? Cause it was a different one. And so he showed me that ran through that with me, printed out a sheet for me to document my blood sugars. And I said, I'll, you know, I'll do this for, I think I did it for like two weeks okay. around that time. Yeah. Um, around Just that point, or all three, all of it. Yeah. All good of job. it. Yeah. Um, and it was fine. Awesome. I've learned a lot in the interim though, about nutrition. Yeah. Um, I learned a lot from when we opened birth mama, we started running, um, workshops and we had Adele from Sunshine Coast yes. Family Nutritionist. Um, she was running workshops and would just sit with Caitlin and I and share all of her knowledge. Yes. And yes. I felt very confident that if I needed to make a change or if something wasn't right, I had the tools and the support external from insulin or you know that I could support that um but it really connected me deeper 
I also learned to trust myself and my instinct. And I also, I feel like you, I said it to you earlier, forget what you think, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I sat with feeling how I was feeling, how baby was feeling. I learned a lot. I learned how to palp baby myself. Amazing. Um, Caitlin did that with me too. Um, so I actually didn't know through an ultrasound how Junie was sitting. Yes. Um, just through palping. Awesome. We thought she was head down and yeah. she was head down. Thank so that's fuck. great. <laughs> um, but I also had to discern for myself where what my risk was yes what i thought was risk absolutely going into stepping and having um a unassisted pregnancy and birth or a mother-led pregnancy and birth um i really had to get real with myself heck yeah um acknowledging what you're going into are you happy with that or are you not rather than just kind of rolling with all the stuff and not actually reflecting on how you feel about it. Yeah. 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 And knowing I could change my mind at any point. Heck yeah. um, That was a big thing and being okay with that instead of going, I'm free birthing. And then all of a sudden, maybe I changed my mind and I went into the hospital and people say, Oh, but you were, you know, why didn't be Be okay with the fact that you can change your mind. Exactly. Um, Exactly. But we can I, be so rigid yeah. in our ideas. I yeah. Can't be, yeah. And you're right. Like being open to whatever pops up, adapting to that is so important. Yeah. Being able to pivot yeah. when the time called for it. So I had very strong views on what are my hard no's? What am I yes. okay with? What do I feel safe with in my home space? Yes. space? What wouldn't I feel safe with supporting in my home space? What didn't I know enough about that yeah. I could support in my home space? Yeah. Um, there were a lot of things that I worked through and uh, my, so I had Caitlin and my, I'm going to call her my earth angel, Michelle, <laughs> um, who is a beautiful birth keeper from Brisbane um, with me. And they knew and Michelle would always say to me, what do you feel? How do you feel about that? What are you going to do? No one else could call the shots. It yeah. was not up to anyone else and it was no one else's experience. And mm-hmm. that was a big thing. Um, it wasn't my husband's experience either. Mm-hmm. And I got okay with the fact that birth isn't his jam. Mm-hmm. And... I, he let me know he trusted me. Mm-hmm. That's all I needed. Yeah. And he didn't need to be in my space doing all the things, sitting there looking at me, me feeling that he was worried or concerned, or I was removing anyone that might compromise mm-hmm. my energy. Mm-hmm. I was removing them from my space. Good on you. Uh, Which is, I think, a huge thing for you to be able to accept birth isn't your jam. Obviously, it's 100% your life now, and that's okay to yeah. have that difference. That's huge. Good yeah. on you. His trust is all I needed, mm-hmm. and if I needed him to come and be next to me or support me, then he did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was done with that, he knew when he could go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah. How special. So special. And so it did. I had Junie at home, unassisted, 
totally led by me um, in the water mm-hmm. um, and then climbed straight into bed <sighs> and I birthed my placenta next to my bed and I feel like it's really hard to explain this experience with words because I'm still so deeply feeling it and that's something else I said to you like yeah. I cannot explain and I want to say the magic of it yeah it was the most alive I've ever felt in my life to feel everything like every piece of me I felt my body shift I felt my pelvis shift I felt her head like every inch of her come through and down and exit me wow (laughs) every inch of her and it was so to feel that yeah to feel every bit of her in my body doing that was like nothing else um i mean it was intense but i wouldn't call that pain anymore Amazing. and i think the difference between physiological pain and pathological pain yeah. plays a big part of it And understanding that too. Like this is something that's meant to happen. Our bodies are meant to do this. Yeah. And I I trusted all of it. I trusted. Birth was not a space I was was scared of. I've got goosebumps hearing your story. (laughs) It's so nice. Yeah. So special. It was. It is. I still see it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the postpartum was where I was scared. Yes. That was the scary part. Absolutely. So you were 41 and 4? Um, I had her at 41 and 4. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so not having experienced a, a spontaneous labor before, I had no idea what to expect. Mm-hmm. I had never been this pregnant before. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know what the signs would be for me in my body. And that was to surrender to that was lots of lessons and learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and just every morning I woke up not expecting it to happen. There were elements of me waiting, just waiting for something to just something. I wanted to see that I was losing my mucus plug. I wanted just something. Yeah. Um, and probably I got really active in the last two weeks of my pregnancy. So I went from sloth mode to mm-hmm. like, I just wanted to move my body. Awesome. A lot. Um, so I went for lots of walks every morning. Um, and then... The last kind of two days prior to going into labor, I was having these aches. Mm. Um, and it felt like that period, that period ache. Yeah. Um, and then on the Thursday that I went into labor, it just never went away. It kind of hung around. I could still do all the things. Mm-hmm. And my husband and I, before we went and got um, Josie from school, went for a walk. I was like... I reckon I, I reckon these might progress mm-hmm. if if we just like move if we mm-hmm. just keep moving. So we did, um, and they really picked up, and it went from a point where it was an ache to I'm going to call these a contraction now. Like this is happening, awesome. um, but I didn't want to get my hopes up because mm-hmm. I knew that that could still teeter off, or I knew yeah. that it could be a couple of days, and this might 
be what it's like mm-hmm. for a few for a few days. So I went and picked we went and picked Josie up from school, and the interaction with the mums at school and mm-hmm. just that space and that energy really had them teeter off. Yeah, like it just stopped everything. It 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 wasn't the right kind of feeling. Nah. For no contractions. Um, so when we got home, um, Edie had been taken out by a beautiful friend and Josie's pretty good in the afternoon. So I thought I'd just lie down and I set myself up a little nest weeks ago um, in our lounge room that I could just lie and rest awesome. on. Still be within the family because I really didn't want to interact yeah. with anybody, but I could yeah. still physically be there. Mm-hmm. Um but not have to kind of do too much. Yeah. Um, so I laid down and within about half an hour, the contractions started coming back. So they, yeah, they were contractions. It wasn't the ache that came back. It was like, okay, these are pretty irregular, pretty mild contractions. And then, um, Edie got dropped home about five o'clock and, I couldn't really talk. My friend was like, I came and sat down next to you and, you really couldn't interact with me. I just put dinner in the oven and and left. Yes. And then um, Reese and I both kind of, I was like, oh, the girls really wanted me to do something. So he and I both got their dinner organized and I was just having breaks in between. He bathed them and then we both tucked them in mm-hmm. and I came back out and laid down and they were starting to pick up. Um, and I was using the, I was, I really enjoyed leaning over the football, mm. being on my knees and leaning over. Awesome. Um, and so I kind of just stayed like that and I went to the toilet and noticed that I had, was losing my mucus plug. And I was mm. like, oh my, got really excited. Yes, finally. Um, it was happening and I messaged Caitlin and I'm like, you know when to come over. Yeah. And she's like. Yeah, I've just got to do this and I'll probably be there. And we really hadn't been talking. Okay. So not that day. So she felt it. Yes. Like she felt that the fact that I said, you'll know when to come over. She kind of, yeah. Gaged. Gaged that things were happening and I let her know my I'd lost my mucus plug. And so she got there about 830 we called or she called Michelle and my other friend Carly. Um, so I had this strong urge for this feminine energy yes. and presence and the triple moon goddess was a totem that showed up my whole pregnancy. It was in cards I pulled, it was in gifts I was given, it was wow. insane and they embodied that energy. Amazing. Um so yeah, about nine o'clock, everyone was at my house, nine, nine thirty, and they just let me do my thing. We, I knew it was time to get the pool up. And I, so my husband and Caitlin put the pool up. Uh, actually it was up. They just got the water into it. Mm. So we had a very small hot water system and the hot water ran out pretty quickly. So I was kind of on my bed and they were boiling pots and pans yes. on my stove and putting the hot water into the pool yeah. and um they'd also put a lamb casserole on because I just uh, had this vision of my house being dark and it feeling so 
like normal but extraordinary at the same yeah. time like this this thing was going to happen in my house birth was going to happen in my house but there was a hot pot on and there were women in my kitchen yes. and it was just incredible so they were doing that I was none the wiser of it I was deep in it though yeah um I was enjoying these contractions incredible I'm gonna get a little bit TMI right now yeah go for it love it this pregnancy I felt so sexual and sensual but not in a partnership way yeah with myself yeah I felt so I masturbated every single day of my pregnancy amazing every single day and the lessons of surrender yeah the lessons of release Mm -hmm. the lessons of pleasure and pain and the precipice between the two yeah this the way this felt it was so intense it felt like I could have been pulled through my floor that every contraction you know it it brings everything down and I definitely felt like I this energy just wanted to pull me through my floor amazing but the pleasure associated with this Mm -hmm. um I would describe this so different to the way I described what giving birth felt like with Josie and I remember what I described that like thinking holy shit that would scare some people yeah a whole nother ball game this was incredibly intense yeah and I just, yeah, I could feel it all. I just could feel everything. I don't Amazing. know how else to explain it. Yeah. Um, and it might be one of those things that are forever unable to be put into words. Yeah. yeah. Like it's a different, yeah. Uh, what do you call it? Dimension. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. So I, um, the pool was full enough for me to get into and I instantly felt like there was I could take a breath, if that makes sense. Yes. Like there was a breath. When you got in the pool. When I got in the pool, it was like this this pause for a minute and then it was intense again. And I almost felt like I was going to collapse the side of the pool. Like that's how strong I felt like I was going to be pulled through mm, the floor. Gosh. And um, I was just, yeah, I just was in it. I didn't need anything or anyone. Um. You're definitely that archetype in birth. I talk about this in my birth workshop where we have three different archetypes. Some need like that very firm touch, that firm word. Some need that very gentle touch, tickles, gentle words, um, reassurance. And then some just need to be not talked to, not touched in the darkness by themselves. And I find women quite often circulate between the three. However, you've definitely just stayed in that one every time. I did have my husband come in a few times and I just needed his, his strength. He's like, he's tall. He's, he's built. And I just felt like, like the strength of a tree. I want to describe it. Like like I just needed a grounding. I needed. And so to hold on to his hand and squeeze as hard as I could possibly do, I knew I would wasn't going to break him. Yeah. And then there were moments where Michelle and Caitlin would pour warm water down my back. And it was, it wasn't often. Um, but I enjoyed that in those 
big, big moments. And I remember at the point of transition, knowing that this was transition, Mm. knowing that I didn't want to actually stop. So I thought I'd get to that point and be like, I can't do this anymore and be able to talk myself through and go, well, this is transition just on the other side, Mm -hmm. just on the other side. But I got to that point and I was like, this is changing. I can feel that this is changing. There were moments where Junie would come all the way down. And I just thought if I could hold it that little bit longer, her head would be birthed. And then she went all the way back up. And I felt every bit of her go all the way back up. And there was that, I was little bit disappointed like I was like my heart sunk for a minute and that's when I grabbed it and went this is transition this is it Mm. this is the moment that happened another two times she came all the way and she was right there and I could feel her right there and she went all the way back up crazy and then that third time I, I held that contraction that little bit longer and there was her head amazing and I had my hand on her head and I couldn't believe that she was still in her sack. My waters hadn't broken and I could, her head was there, but there was, I could feel the fluid. Like I could feel the way it was feeling. And with the next contraction, she was born into the water and her arm kind of jolted as she came out and she broke the sack. Amazing. I love seeing that. It was in love. It It was it felt really incredible and it felt really magical. And I could not believe that I just birthed her completely in Cal. Like, yeah. holy shit. Crazy. <laughs> holy shit. Crazy. Um, and so then I, I brought her up, but the her sack was still over her head a little bit. So it was kind of half over one eye and her nose. Um, and when I took that off and the cord was wrapped around her neck and then like under her arm. So when I took that off, she hadn't taken a breath yet. Mm. And it was such a calm, gentle space that there wasn't a rush. I did know that she may have ingested some fluid. And so, but all of a sudden and without a thought, I just put my mouth over her nose and sucked. Mm -hmm. And I, had this salty thick liquid in my mouth Mm -hmm. that I just spat out. Mm -hmm. I did it again. Mm -hmm. And with that one, she cried Mm. and she was still a little bit gurgly. So I was rubbing her back and I was blowing on her face, like for her to just take some more breath. There was no, this is something I had prepared for. If that makes sense. I had prepared for a moment of, if she came out and she didn't cry straight away, mm-hmm. um, I, but my body took over in that moment with mm. the sucking. Mm-hmm. I didn't think mm-hmm. it just happened. Mm. And I have a video of it that I watch back and I think, Oh my God. Amazing. So incredible. Yeah. That we just instinctually do these things. Um, we didn't, her cord was always going to stay attached until her placenta was birthed. Yeah. So that's something else that we did. Um, And yeah, my daughter came in. She had woken up just after Josie. Josie. Edie stayed asleep for maybe a couple of hours. But Josie came in and she was, Junie was there. Crazy. And we kind of got into bed and 
snuggled and I was the contractions for my placenta they weren't like the contractions through birthing her I feel like Mm. I felt them I had her yes they were a bit more intense yeah um and I just got down beside my bed with Junie in my arms and I sniffed her and I fed her and I cuddled her and I birthed my placenta next to my bed and then got back in and my daughter fed me. Josie fed me Amazing. the stew that was cooking oh, while I was birthing. Beautiful. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Such a, a perfect postnatal nourishing meal. It was really nurturing. It was so nurturing. And you know, there was there was in the in the days after there was guilt. I had guilt and mourning for the postnatal the postpartum experience I had with Josie. Mm-hmm. And I went to think and, and about my nurturing of her as a, as a baby and to remember and look back on the video of her feeding me and nurturing me postpartum. I just, I'm so grateful that, that through my transitions into motherhood, I've been able to integrate with her. Yes. She was my first baby. I yeah. learned a lot with her. But the babies that followed, her siblings, her sisters, I've integrated a lot that directly affects her and yeah. the way I mother her. And so she is such a little nurturer and she thinks she's Edie, um, Junie's mum. She's that over, <laughs> overbearing mother. So it's been very healing. Beautiful. Yeah. I was going to say that. What have you, yeah. What have you done to heal that connection and bond and time with Josie? Like, especially since. Yeah. She's included in a lot of, of Junie. Um, it happened to be that I birthed Juniper on. So I went into labor on the Thursday and the Friday was the last day of school for the school holidays. Mm-hmm. So the June, July holidays. So Josie was home in the depths of postpartum for two weeks with me. Mm-hmm. She was in bed with me and she was watching me feed and she was asking me questions. And there was just this all encompassing love. And I just included her in all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, she sat with me day three I feel like that's where the transition was for me. I didn't, I didn't have that urge to stop and I can't do this in my birth, but on day three postpartum, I had that. What if I can't do this? I'm feeling all these feelings again. You know, I got really scared of my head in that moment thinking I can't go back and have this experience again. And Josie was right there with me. Um, I didn't, not imposing or really talking to her about much. She just was with me, next to Mm -hmm. me, in my bed with me, um, hand on me, Mm -hmm. just being with me. And it was that I've done something right, Mm. if that makes sense. Yes. Um, Yeah, I've done it. I, I got through it with Josie and I got through it with Edie 
with a lot of work. And so it just meant that I had to learn more Mm -hmm. and honor my feelings more Mm -hmm. and listen to myself more and not push through the feelings and not hide or mask how I'm feeling and just, and be real about it. Yeah. Not pretend like it's not happening. Mm. Let it happen. That's right. I can't emphasize enough though, research, informing, asking questions, feeling into people's energies, doing what's right for you. I think, I think, and I said it to you before, being a active participant in your life and in your birth and in your experience and in your education and what you know about you. Yeah. And going from there. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a bit of a precipitous birth round that I will shoot at you. So as you know, precipitous birth, quick birth. So just answer with the first answer that pops into mind. Here we go. Um, What was the hardest thing to give up or cut down in pregnancy? Any of the pregnancies. Coffee. Coffee, fair call. Cigarettes with Josie. Ah, that would have been hard. I was a very heavy smoker and drinker. Wow. And I haven't had a cigarette since I found out I was pregnant with Josie. So well she's done. six on the 24th of October. Well done. That's a big deal. Huge. Huge deal. Yeah. Good job. All right. Weirdest pregnancy craving? Satay tofu. Yeah. <laughs> that is pretty weird. So, and uh, sour worms. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Woolworths used to do a big, like, ice cream bucket full, and that's yes. Josie. And I saw it one day and just dived into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How good. How good. What is your biggest tip to birth simply? Just feel into you. Yes. Do it. Do it for you. Yes. It can be hard to sit with yourself. Yes. Sometimes our minds and our bodies aren't always a safe space or a a space we trust at first. And so uh, maybe facilitating looking into, into that space um, and go from, and go from there. Mm -hmm. It's not the be all and end all, but go from there. I think feeling safe with yourself Mm. is important. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. And biggest tip to parent simply. Same thing. Yeah. Just trust and feel into you and what's right for you. We always, we know what we know when we know it and we do do the best with what we've got. Yes. On hand. Um, Go from there. And if you need to learn more, don't be afraid to learn. Yeah. Learning is good. I think we can pretend like we need to know, we already know the thing or. Yeah. Yeah. We can always know more. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, this has been a freaking wonderful birth story. Thank you. Thank you so much for the experience. No, thank you. I think I spoke a lot. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And I've been really intrigued for a while about your birth story with Juniper. And it's definitely um, a process. Oh, look at you. I'm just dying right now with your grin, staring into my soul. She'll hold your gaze. Hey, Baba, you ruined my little outro <laughs> with your beautiful grin. 
It has been such a special experience and I'm so glad to hear how beautifully it went. Um, just listening and watching your story has been amazing. Thank you for having me and, um, and thank you for letting me speak about it all. I was scared to speak about it because I didn't know how to yeah. get it out of my body. Yes. It's so felt, but, um, no, that felt good. And it'll be cool to reflect on in a year, oh three years when Junipers are older. Yeah. It's so cool to listen back yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, thank you. And that is a wrap. I really hope you enjoyed. I definitely did. And I actually have a couple of takeaways that I got from this one. The first one being to soften and surrender. I've um, definitely struggled with this a bit and I'm trying to get better. However, it is so much freaking easier said than done. Like it is really, really deeply ingrained in a lot of us um, to be hard and firm and just keep pushing forward. So that's a really hard one to crack, a good lesson to learn. And um, that softening and surrender leads me to my second point of trusting in the process that the when you create the space through softening and surrendering the things that you want and that you desire will come to you but if you are filling your life with so much hardness and um, plan and control then those things don't really appear because you are not giving it the space to come into your mind and that may have just been my weird left of field interpretation of the podcast, but it worked. So anyways, we're going to go with it. I really hope you enjoyed. If you did, leave a five-star written review and I'll catch up with you next month.